The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Most people I know are cheating. You can literally, like, in real time, Google things on your phone. My grades are so high right now because I'm cheating. Straight up, like... At home, with computers but no teachers, some students are breaking the rules. I know that a lot of my friends have used Chegg um, to look up answers. Now, you may not have heard of Chegg, but most college students have. Here's how it works. I'm pasting into this search bar a question from a chemistry assignment one of the students we spoke to gave to me. That question already right here on the website. Now, Chegg is supposed to help you learn by giving step-by-step -step solutions. The problem, though, some students are going straight to the answer for a copy and paste. I know nothing about chemistry. I would have just got this right. I've heard this one saying that they said it's not an ideal learning situation, so why should it be an ideal testing situation? Nicole Kenny's a graduate student and a TA at Wright State University in Ohio. Have your students cheated? I definitely know that um, a few of them, they've used Chegg for answers because the answer is almost word for word from a bunch of other report sheets. Chegg's subscribers grew by almost 70% last year, and the number of questions posted to the site skyrocketed nearly 200% in 2020 compared to the same period in 2019. And schools are noticing. Last semester, an investigation at Texas A&M found more than 800 cases of academic misconduct after a faculty member realized some students were finishing complex exams online in under a minute. Chegg was one of the online resources used, a university official told NBC. It's amazing. It's cheating. All kinds of cheating. Thanks for joining us on the Trumpet Daily Program. Thank you for being part of our growing audience here live at thetrumpet.com. Also, CRN3 Digital Radio. You can uh, listen to the program there, 11 a.m. Central Time every day, or wherever you like to get your podcasts, you can listen there, podcast form, whenever you'd like to do that. We live in a world where there's a lot of technology. Things have changed. We use it all the time. We use it here. We use it on this program. Some of the change is helpful. Some of it's been very positive, but much of it's negative. Like that report you just saw, there's cheating, catastrophic cheating going on. We have to be very careful about how we use technology. On the Trumpet Daily today, I want to use this time to look at some of the effects of technology on our society. And first, I want to consider the effect of technology on education. Distance learning is so popular now in this post-COVID era especially. Students are at home, they can't go to school, or they couldn't, so they have to have distance learning. And that is a positive thing, it can be, because it helps some students out. It could be used in an effective way, but it can also be abused, like we just saw in that report. So in this post-COVID uh, era, rather, distance learning is, again, so popular, but it's being abused. We just saw it in that report, and uh, we'll have another report right now. This is clip six. At nearly every level of education, it's happening. Now more than ever, students are cheating. 
I think everybody at home is cheating. Anybody Everybody at home is cheating? There is at least a perception that pandemic-era distance learning provides a distinct advantage to those kids staying at home. That's why people are staying home, because they don't want to come here and do the work. We've heard from dozens of parents on this subject. Many are worried about their own honest kids' ability to thrive in a sea of cheaters. With class rank and college placement at stake, there's no room to mess around. Based on informal surveys, we're looking at over 70 to 80 percent. Informal is right because reliable statistics about exactly how often cheating is happening are hard to come by, especially since there's some degree of gray area these days. I think that there's more collaboration between students as opposed to cheating. Yes. Well, that sounds convenient. More collaboration. Maybe it's not cheating, but there is a lot of cheating that's going on. Technology is being used, again, in a lot of positive ways, but also in some very negative ways. There is an article. This is from the Free Press. It was published just yesterday, March 1st, and it's titled Dishonor Code, What Happens When Cheating Becomes the Norm? See, that's the problem. Cheating's always existed, of course, right? People have always done that, some have. But now it's becoming the norm. So this article asks a very good question. What happens when it becomes the norm? It says, when it was time for Sam Beta, then a freshman at Columbia University, to take his Calculus One midterm, the professor told students they had 90 minutes. But the exam would be administered online. And even though every student was expected to take it alone, whether in their dorms or their home or wherever they were, there was going to be nobody proctoring it. So you're completely on your own, completely on your own. And it's the honor system. And they were going to have 24 hours to complete this exam, 24 hours to turn it, on, turn it in. And as Beta said, everyone knew, all the students knew, this is a free-for-all. This is a free-for-all. If you're given a chance to take a test, and this is a midterm, this is a massive test, it counts for quite a bit of your grade. If you're given a chance to take that, and you have 24 hours to turn it in, you're taking it on your own, nobody's around, the temptation to cheat would be massive. It would be massive. It's a free-for-all, like the student said. He's an economics major, and he said that students were texting each other answers. They looked up solutions on Chegg, which we just saw about in that first report, which is a crowdsourced website with answers to exam questions, and they used calculators. All of those things forbidden. All of those things technically not allowed, but yet they used all of them. They used all of them. And he finished the exam in under an hour. That's what he said. It only took him an hour. It only took him an hour. Some classmates even paid older students that had already gone through the program. They paid them to take the test for them. And as he said, professors just don't care. They don't care. So what type of education do students have now? When somebody graduates from college, what type of an education will they have? What did they learn? Well, they're learning how to cheat. They're learning how to lie. So you have to ask, well, what will they do on the job? What will they do out in the professional world if this is what they've done in college? Now, you know, we could maybe think, well, it's bad and, and sort of just move on. But just consider, some of these students could be your doctor in the future. They could be your dentist. 
They could be your engineer that's building roads and bridges and railroads. Haven't we had some problems with railroads recently? These students are cheating, many of them. That's not to say everybody is, but many are. It's a culture of cheating that's happening. What happens when they go out in the workforce? What are they going to do when, again, they're your doctor? Would you want your doctor to come in and say, you know, I want to do this and this to you, and you find out they cheated their way through medical school? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine uh, the dread and the terror that you would have? Well, of course. This article says, nor do students have much incentive to turn back the clock. They're getting better grades for less work than ever. So it's to their advantage right now as they see it. They're not putting in the work. They don't have to. And they're getting better grades. They're getting better grades. Exhibit A from this article, it says, grade done. A recent Boston University graduate, he majored in international relations and he minored in Spanish. And Dunn said he never cheated, per se, but he benefited handsomely from the new lower standards. His pre-COVID GPA was just north of 3.0. During COVID, he averaged a 3.5, and he knows plenty of students who flouted the rules. Because again, the COVID crisis hit or was brought about, I guess, and these students could be at home or they could take tests online, it was common. And like that report we saw in the beginning, they said, well, this is an unusual time in terms of academics. So it's an unusual testing time too. We just kind of have to go with that. People's GPAs are going up. They're putting in less work. None of this, none of this works out long term. It says many students want the credential and they just want the easiest way to get this. And that's from that article. And that was from a UCLA uh, sociology professor. So again, you can see the attitude of just wanting to get the best grade possible in the easiest way possible. It says a sophomore at the University of Pennsylvania's prestigious business school who declined to give her name said, they're here, the students, for the Wharton brand, a 4.0 GPA, and to party. That's what they're at school for. They want the paper that says prestigious school. They want the 4.0 GPA or a high GPA. And they want a party. And they want a party. It's all a lie. They want to appear to be studious without doing the work, without studying. It's all a lie. The article says a student sees school as a stepping stone. This is that student, last name is Beta. He meant they went on to graduate school or to jobs or, to, or consulting firms and uh, then get married, have a house, have all the good things of life. It's just a stepping stone. Let's just get through this and get on to the wealth, the money, the, the homes, all of those things, the nice things in life. He said, anything that you miss, you can just learn on YouTube. That's the attitude. You know, I, I don't need to go to school or I can kind of fake my way through school, cheat, and then if I need to figure something out later, I'll just look it up on YouTube. You know, it's really interesting because there are videos on YouTube about how to cheat. I don't think I'm breaking news there to anybody. I'm sure if they're interested in that, they've already looked at it. But there's a bunch of videos from people telling you how to cheat on different types of exams. And the thing that shocked me about it, I didn't see that many, but in researching this, I saw a few. What shocked me was they're not even trying to conceal their identity. It was just somebody standing there or sitting there recording a video of themselves, their likeness. I mean, it's them. They didn't hide their identity. And they say, well, I'm going to tell you how to cheat on this test. Here's how you do it. They're not even ashamed of that. 
They're not even afraid of that. That's shocking to me. And it's shocking also when you consider that doesn't YouTube have policies for getting rid of, uh, you know, wrong information as they would view it? They kick a lot of people off of YouTube for things, but they allow people to be up there and talk about cheating and how to cheat. It's unbelievable. Anything that you miss, you can just learn on YouTube, they say. Would you be comfortable with your dentist saying, I'm not really sure how to do a root canal, but I'll look it up on YouTube real quick and I'll get back into your mouth there and we'll see what we can do. Of course not. Of course not. But you see, this is a, the educational system right now. It's horrific. And cheating is just lying. It's lying. And John 8 and verse 44 makes the point that Satan is a liar and he's the father of liars. The father of lying, Jesus Christ said that. He's a liar. And the father of lying, does that disturb anybody? Does that matter to anybody that if you're lying, that Satan is your father? Does anyone even believe that? Does anyone even think about that? Our newest trumpet has the cover story, Satan is real. Do you recognize him? You've got to get this issue. If you haven't uh, signed up for the trumpet, please do so. This is an issue that you have to have. one 930 That's the number. one 930 or TD at thetrumpet.com. Make sure you sign up or go to thetrumpet.com and get the trumpet magazine. Get the subscription. Get this one in particular. Because for our time today, and what's going on in our society today, this is essential information. Satan is real. Do you recognize him? Do we recognize Satan in this form of education? Do we recognize him in this abuse of technology to destroy education? Well, we should because what they're doing in these educational institutions, institutions many of them, is they're cheating or they're allowing cheating and the students are cheating, which is lying. And Christ said, look, Satan is the father of liars. We have to recognize Satan in that. We have to recognize Satan in it. Just think about it for a moment. Many colleges are turning out cheaters and liars. That's what they are getting good at. They're getting good at cheating and lying. What kind of a generation is being brought up? Again, it's a generation that will be the next group of doctors, the next group of lawyers, the next group of dentists, the next group of engineers, you name it. And many of them are going through an educational system where cheating is the norm. Cheating is a norm, and corrupted technology is making it all possible. Now, technology can be a wonderful thing. Distance learning can be a wonderful thing, but it's being abused. It takes courage to do the right thing. It takes courage to do the right thing, especially when the whole trajectory is going the wrong way in terms of education. This article says the average on the midterm was around 80%, talking about the, how the grades were. In past years, it was closer to 60 or 70%, so the grades are all jumping up. This University of Pennsylvania sophomore said, it's not that the teachers got miraculously better at teaching the content or that the kids got smarter. No, not at all. It's all graded on a curve. It's graded on a curve. There's cheating. And she makes a point that she is being cheated over by the cheaters. She says it's a disadvantage not to cheat. It's a disadvantage not to cheat. So you do have students that are trying to do things the right way, and they see others cheating and getting away with it and getting the better grades. So the whole peer pressure, the whole 
uh, momentum is to cheat because for those who aren't, they're falling behind. It's a disadvantage not to cheat. How are they doing it? How are they cheating? What are some of the ways? We've seen some of it in those reports, but this article says at Tufts, sources told me that crib sheets have gone digital. With students uploading course material to their notes app and using their Apple watches to access information while taking tests. At Boston University, you can get a friend to write your papers for $20 to $30 a page, according to a recent graduate. Pretty good money for the paper writer, I guess. You write a 10-page paper, get 300 bucks. Easy, right? These things are happening. It says, and at Dartmouth, and again, these are, these are prestigious institutions. And at Dartmouth, an anonymous source told me that students have developed a habit of breaking into groups of four when given online multiple-choice quizzes. Each guess is a different answer, A, B, C, or D, to each question. Because the students get two chances to take the quiz, and nobody knows why that's the case, it says they all have the right answer by the time they take the quiz for the second time. See, that's pretty inventive, right? right? Pretty ingenious in a way. So what they're doing is they are learning, but they're learning how to cheat. They're figuring out new ways to cheat. They are being educated, but they're being educated on how to be good liars, how to be good cheats. It's not that they're not naturally intelligent, but they're using that intelligence to figure out how to game the system. How to game the system. It says they don't even bother to read the question when they do this, because if you're reading the question, you're doing it wrong. Why would you waste your time reading a question? You just want to cheat your way through these tests. It's amazing. And of course, it's demoralizing the professors. Professors describe feeling demoralized. It says, I didn't get into academia to be a cop, says a professor at one university. They don't want to sit there all day trying to figure out how students are cheating. They know they are, but they don't want to sit there and do that. They want to try to teach them, in some cases anyway, some of the better professors. And like they say, even if they figure it out, they figure out how the students are cheating, the, the students just come up with another way to do it. There's another app or there's another technology workaround. They can't keep up with it, it's so fast. It's so fast. And then the, the shocking thing is, or I guess another shocking thing is, it's not even good to report the bad behavior because if professors come forward and say, students are cheating, well, then those students say, we don't like this professor. And you know who loses in that one? The professor loses, you'll lose your job. You'll lose your job unless, of course, I guess you're tenured or something. But even there, there's probably some, some uh, negative consequences, I guess. It says the college board recently reported that 55% of the class of 2020 graduated with student debt and that the average debt was $28,400 per student. It's lamentable but not surprising that students and parents increasingly view the college administration as providing them with a very expensive piece of paper, the, the diploma, of course, and professors, above all, as a hindrance when it comes to service delivery. Hey, they're saying, look, we've paid you, and we've paid you a lot. Just give us our diploma. Don't get in the way of it. Don't get in the way of giving me my diploma. I, it doesn't matter what I learned or I didn't learn or how I got there. I paid you, so give me that diploma. People are looking to get ahead as fast as possible, the sh whatever shortcut they can have, and... Uh, well, what do we have? A broken education system, a system where nobody's really learning. Or the things that they are learning are these negative things, how to cheat, 
how to game the system. It says most professors, students said, grasp that the American campus has changed big time, that the paradigm has shifted. Professors want a comfortable perch that looks nice on their resumes where they can write their articles and books and get ahead, just like the students want to get ahead. And that's the problem, right? It comes down to the fact that the professors in many cases and the students in many cases have the same end goal, which is just, I just want to get ahead. I just want to get to a certain point as quickly as possible, and I don't care how I get there. Being educated is not a main concern. It's not a main concern. Lying, cheating, selfishness, all of this, it was described. It was prophesied to happen if you look at 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3 talks about what it would be like in our day. And we go to this passage a lot, but it's so apropos. This know also, it says, that in the last days perilous times shall come, times that are dangerous. Men will be lovers of their own selves, covetous, just wanting to get ahead, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedience to parents, unthankful, unholy, no natural affection there, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, those that would dare to try to actually go through the educational system correctly, fall behind. It says, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Doesn't matter how they get to their end goal, they just want to get there. They want to just get ahead. And that's the big concern. Get ahead. Whether you did it right or wrong, just get ahead. Get what you want. And verse 7, ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Selfishness, self-centeredness, are they ever learning? Yes. Are they coming to the truth in these cases? No. They're coming to learning more and more about how to lie, about how to game the system. Ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. I mean, these, these passages, these scriptures are prophetic, and we look at our society, and you can look at a lot of areas, and you see this very clearly happening, this attitude. Also, Isaiah 3. We go there pretty often, too, but again, it's so fitting. Verse 4, I will give children to be their princes. Babes shall rule over them. Childlike leadership in, in colleges, universities, politics. Verse 5, and the people shall be oppressed, everyone by another, everyone by his neighbor. And then the child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient and the base against the honorable. And that's happening. These young people are just proudly, proudly defying the system breaking the rules, striving to get ahead in any way possible, in a lot of cases through cheating. That's very much exactly what Isaiah talked about here, prophesied for our time today. And again, people could, you know, not take that too seriously, but look at this, think down the road about the end results of a generation coming out of college that really doesn't know anything except for how to cheat, how to lie. Do you want that to be your dentist, your doctor, your engineer? the electrician that comes to your home. <laughs> I mean, do you want that type of a person that, that just cheated their way through school, that just wanted to get ahead? We have to, again, as the trumpet, newest trumpet points out, we have to recognize Satan in this. Recognize Satan in this because what we're seeing here in this educational system today with the abuse of technology is cheating and lying. Satan is the father of lies. So when you see a lot of lying and you see a lot of cheating going on, You've got to get back to the root of it and understand that Satan is the one that's behind those things. Get the trumpet at 1-866-930-3024, 1-866-930-3024.
930-3024, or you could send your request to TD at the trumpet.com and sign up for that if you don't have it already. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to look at another aspect of technology, in this case, social media and how it's impacting teenagers. We'll take a look at that right after this. You're listening to The Trumpet Daily. We'll be right back. The Trumpet Daily. Education is something most people take for granted. We assume it is something one acquires after graduating from a college or university. Yet the 20th century knowledge explosion has done little to solve the problems of this world. Crime, broken families, suicide, disease, mass illiteracy, and poverty. Why, in a world filled with so much advanced material knowledge, are there so many unsolvable problems? Why, after 6,000 years, has mankind been unable to find the solution to its escalating evils or to the number one problem it now faces, that of human survival? Our free booklet, Education with Vision, will show you what is wrong with education today. It will show you what is true education with vision and how to achieve it. Request your free copy of Education with Vision at our website, thetrumpet.com. The Trumpet Daily. I entered these apps at 12 years old, like sixth grade, and I remember thinking that it was this magical tool, this golden tool that would allow me to connect with millions of people. But after months of being on those apps, I quickly realized that what it was was just this online environment built upon these foundations that prioritized addicting their users over their well-being. Big Tech didn't care that I was a 12-year-old girl who went on YouTube and fell into these harmful rabbit holes that caused me to actually have disordered eating. They didn't care that I would count my likes and followers and quantify my worth consistently for years, and that led to increased rates of anxiety and depression. They didn't care as long as my eyes were on the screen and as long as I was making them profit. It's a sad report, and it's true. And you see what's happening to a lot of young people that are involved very heavily with social media. Welcome back to the Trumpet Daily. I'm Dwight Falk filling in for Stephen Flurry today. We're looking at technology and uh, some of the ways that it's impacted society. And again, technology can be awesome. It is awesome in a lot of ways. We use it all the time, but it can be abused too. And unfortunately, what's happening is a lot of abuse is occurring. We talked about it in terms of education. And it's happening to young people that are growing up on social media. See, we have a generation now of kids growing up in a world very different than the one I grew up in just 30 years ago or so. I mean, I was a young person, a teenager in the 80s and 90s, and the world was different back then. You know, it was not a good place. It's not like there weren't problems, but it was different. You know, we didn't have the technological advances that we have today. We didn't have social media. We didn't have those problems. I think about social media in terms of my school experience and, you know, inevitably when you go to school, you'll probably have a time or two at least where you don't get along with somebody. And back in the day, you could go home and get away from it and then, you know, sort it out. But social media, things like that, people get followed, they get bullied, they never get away from it. There's so many problems with it. So much has changed, and it's changed very quickly. Herbert Armstrong talked about that in his book, Mystery of the Ages. He talked about what he saw in his life, how things had changed. They had changed so much, you know, in his 90-plus years of life. He went from the, 
the automobile age, the industrial age, and the air age. I mean, even started out in the horse and buggy age. So in his life, things changed so quickly. And in our time today, they're also changing very quickly. You know, again, those of us that grew up in the 80s and 90s, we did not have the technology that's there today. We didn't have smartphones. We didn't have the internet in a way that was least used by most people. We just didn't have it. I didn't get on the internet till I was probably 18 or 19 years old. And it was very early on and we really didn't know what to even do with it. And uh, it, it wasn't what it is today where it's so fast and people access information so quickly. There is so much that's happening. And again, we live in a world and in a society where you have to use technology. How are you gonna exist otherwise? But we have to be very careful in how we do it. And if we're parents, we have to be careful in how we let our children interact with it. The internet is something that's valuable, but we need to use it as a tool and not a toy. And these young people are using it like a toy and they're playing with evil. They're getting into all kinds of problems. The internet, of course, has valuable uses, but if you abuse it, it can kill you. It can cause all kinds of problems and it's causing a lot of problems for many young people, as you'll see in this clip, clip three. Now to our special coverage of teens in crisis. As we reported yesterday, a national survey by the CDC is raising alarm. It shows that nearly 30% of teenage girls said they had considered dying by suicide, and three out of five girls said they felt persistently sad or hopeless. All this comes at a moment when there's growing concern about the impact of social media. During a Senate hearing today, lawmakers called out social media companies for not doing enough to protect teens. And school districts and hundreds of families are now pursuing lawsuits against the tech giants, seeking to hold them accountable for rising rates of teenage depression, suicides, cyberbullying, and eating disorders. So you can see that they know it's a problem. Everybody knows it's a problem, or at least most people do. And now the question is, what are you going to do about it? So, well, I don't know. They make some laws maybe or something. I mean, what? I don't know. I don't know what they'll do. We'll see. But again, that, that piece they're talking about there, it was a write-up, and I, I've got the article here. It's from the American Conservative, and it's titled The Social Illness, and this was published uh, just last week, I guess, February 22nd. It says, we have a severe public health crisis on our hands. American teenagers are quite literally dying because of social media. Not every one of them, but many of them are or having problems. It says, teens are more depressed and anxious than ever before. Does, does that resonate? I mean, if you're a teenager and you're watching this, does that resonate with you or a young person that's on social media or anybody? Does that resonate? Do you, do you feel that way? Maybe some of these issues? It says new, new data from the CDC show that nearly three in five teen girls felt persistent sadness in 2021. They just mentioned that in the report. And one in three girls seriously considered attempting suicide. That's terrible. There's depression. There's self-harm, suicide attempts. And it says it's all increased. Now, when has it increased? When, is, when have they seen this big jump? Well, it's between 2011 and uh, 2019. And uh, there's similar trends worldwide. Why is that? Because that's the time period when social media use moved, as they say, from optional to virtually mandatory among teens. So, again, it's not mandatory. But as they're pointing out, most teens would say it is. You know, if you're not on social media, I mean, what in the, you know, <laughs> what's the matter with you? Well, uh, but again, look at, look at what's happened to it. Now, we use social media, of course. We get God's message out that way. But again, we're using it as a tool. 
there's a lot of bad on it. It can be used as a toy <laughs> where people get into all sorts of problems. Young people today are growing up in an extremely dangerous time. It's very dangerous, very dangerous. And uh, I've, I've talked to other adults and parents where, you know, we just, we just say, wow, I'm glad I didn't have it when I was that age. You know, it, because you see there's so many problems with it. If, if it's misused, if it's misused, it can kill people. And you just look at the statistics. There's a really interesting uh, scripture to consider in relation to this. It's in Revelation 18 and verse 4. And this is God talking to his people. And this is something we have to take very seriously. It says, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, and that you receive not of her plagues. So, again, if, if we're getting caught up in using these, you know, social media or whatever the case might be, uh, and we don't get out of it, well, we're going to be caught up in the plagues. We're going to be caught up in the plagues. And we have a whole report here that we're talking about and showing clips of where the, it's the plagues. It's the plagues. Now, people might not look at the Bible in that way or think that that, you know, is relevant. But the scripture says that if we we go along with the world and the way the world goes, we're going to get caught up in the same things they do and have the same problems. We have a whole report here of the plagues that are coming, that are here because of this. You know, go talk to the parents who had a teenager kill themselves because of social media. Do, do they think there's a plague? Do they think there's a problem? We have to be very careful in how we use these devices, how we use the Internet, because there are plagues. What kind of plagues? Well, this article from the American Conservative says this. Beyond the youth mental health crisis social media is creating, both the kinds of content circulating on social media and other users on the platforms are very dangerous to children. It's very dangerous to children. It says TikTok and Instagram send teens down rabbit holes. That one girl in the report talked about that, right? The rabbit holes. Down rabbit holes of eating disorders, drugs, and sexual content. Pornography is everywhere online. It's everywhere online. And it is not just on some of these adult sites. It's on YouTube. It's on Spotify. It's on Pinterest. It's on Instagram. It's on Twitter. It's on Snapchat. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Harmful content is everywhere. Notice this, clip four. Imrat Ahmed is the CEO of the nonprofit Center for Countering Digital Hate. In their recent report, titled Deadly by Design, the organization calculated that videos related to eating disorders on TikTok had been viewed more than 13 billion times. The organization also set up eight TikTok accounts, all posing as 13-year-olds, the minimum age allowed by law to be on social media. After these accounts briefly viewed or liked body image and mental health content, more was quickly fed to them. Within two and a half minutes of opening an account as a 13-year-old girl, it's sending itself harm content. Within eight minutes, eating disorder content. Every 39 seconds, the first half hour, they were receiving some sort of harmful content. That's, that's the reality. That's the truth for the kids that want to be you know, involved with TikTok. You might want to think about it if you're a parent or if you're a young person that has control of it yourself. I mean, what, what is being sent to you? What is being fed to you? Again, I hearken back to the trumpet this month and the cover. You know, do we recognize Satan and all this? Who, who would send this type of material to a 13-year-old? Who would send it? Satan would. He wants to destroy people. He wants to destroy them in every way. And there's this horrible, horrible material that's being sent. And who inspires it? Who's behind it? 
these poor 13-year-old girls, that's a, that's a challenging time in life. It's a time of a lot of change in life. And to be fed all of this sort of lies, to be fed all of this uh, harmful content, plagues. Those are plagues now that are happening. That's happening. And what, what is TikTok? A lot of people would say, well, it's just for fun or it's just – it's a toy. It's entertaining. They're sending harmful content. And there are more plagues. This article talks about this fact that predators are also all over social media trying to befriend and groom young people. A private study found that nearly one in three teen girls have been approached by adults asking for nude pictures on social media. The Wall Street Journal reported on the ways in which TikTok is a prime venue for child sexual exploitation. It is what it is. Now, I mean, a person could say, oh, come on, not everybody on TikTok does that. I'm sure that's true. But why would you want to play around with it? Why would you hang out where the sexual predators are? These are things we just have to think about. I mean, and again, yes, we're bringing the Bible into it because it should be brought into it. But the main things that we're reading are just secular reports, CDC. They can see the plagues. They don't call them plagues, but they can see them. They're reporting on them. And so we're just reading that report. We have to think about the way we use technology. Again, we're not saying, I'm not saying technology is a bad thing. It's not. But again, how are we using it? What are we allowing to come into our minds, to the minds of our children? Do we think there's a devil? Do we think that's a real thing? We should. Look at the plagues. God warned us, if you don't come out of it, you're going to have plagues. And now we have a full report of plagues. There are more plagues mentioned in this write-up. It says, thus, the problem of teens and social media use is everywhere, or is severe in several ways. There is the way the design of the apps affect kids' brain development and mental health. There is the pornographic and harmful content circulating on the platforms. And there are the predators and cyber bullies who exploit young people on social media. That's all there. Does that sound good? Of course, it's plagues. There are more plagues still. It says, because of social media, Teens today don't know how to live in the real world. Have you seen this? And again, we're not trying to just pick on the teens, but they're the ones that are <clears throat> the most impacted by this. <clears throat> they're the most impacted by it. And because they're the most into it, usually. But again, you, how many times do you go around anywhere, whether it be teens or young people, and you just see everybody glued to their phone? They're out in a beautiful day, and they're not paying attention to anything. Anybody else are just so engrossed in their social media or whatever they're looking at. That's happening. It says they don't know how to live in the real world. And again, this is the CDC talking about this. It says we are allowing an entire generation to grow up online. We talked about in the first segment, there's an entire generation of people coming through the educational system, and they're not educated, except in how to cheat, okay? When those results are going to be bad. How about this? An entire generation growing up online. What does, that, what does that make somebody? Well, they know what it makes somebody. They, start, they have some results here. It says they have become dopamine robots, uh, which I think is a very great description. Dopamine robots, where, you know, dopamine, that gives you that excitement, that thrill, that kick, and they're addicted to it. They're addicted to dopamine. Dopamine robots relating to each other only behind screens. They don't know how to form real-life relationships. You have a whole generation now coming up that they really struggle to form real-life relationships. That's a serious plague. That's a plague. What kind, of a, what kind of a generation is that? Well, we read about it 
in the first the first uh, segment of the show there in uh, Timothy, right? Where no natural affection. Well, they don't have relationships. They don't know how to get along with people. They're, they're dopamine robots. That's what the CDC says. They're looking at the data. It says they don't know how to have real-life relationships or to, or to confront and cope with real-life disappointments and emotions. They just don't know how to handle it. They don't know how to process it. Those things, the ability to have a relationship with somebody else or the ability to deal with life in a day-to-day situation and, and you know, work with the, the highs and the lows and the difficulties and the challenges, we, we're not just born knowing how to do that intuitively. We have to learn. Somebody has to teach us. And these kids are being just deprived of that education. They don't know. They're not having those interactions. They're good at being on screens, but they don't know how to have relationships with other people. That's what's happening. It says, and screens are neutering kids' natural abilities to be imaginative and creative. And this is, I think, just very shocking here. <laughs> it says, we are losing. Again, this is, this is this, this article here. We are losing what it means to be human. People are becoming sort of robotic. They're becoming machines. They don't, they don't know what it means to be human. They don't know how to relate to other people or get along or feel empathy. They, they don't know what it means to have a relationship because they're just on these screens. That's the generation that's coming up. Is that a, are those plagues? Who, who would be behind something like that? Who would want humans to become less human? Well, Satan the devil would. God created humans. He created us in his image, in his likeness. We read about that in Genesis. He wants us to be like him and to learn to think like him. And so what we have, though, is people that are losing what it means to be human. And, of course, then, obviously, they lose a chance to have a connection with God. They, they, they're, they're dopamine robots, as it says. Kids are getting addicted to social media, and they're addicting them to social media for life, as you'll see in this clip five. If you get users when they're young, they'll, there's a good chance they'll stay on for life. Everybody's competing for the teenagers. Jonathan Haidt is a social psychologist at New York University. He traces what he calls an epidemic of teenage sadness back more than a decade. So it's anxiety and depression, also self-harm and suicide. All of those things skyrocket after 2012. Just to clarify, this isn't just social media. There are other factors at play. Yes, there are always other factors at play. Um, uh, This is a complicated sociological phenomenon, but the instant they go on social media, by the instant I mean like within a year, the depression lines begin to go up. Plus, there is direct correlational evidence that the more you use it, the more depressed you are. Um, it's especially heavy users, more than four hours a day. Those girls are three times more likely to be depressed than medium users. Despite these concerns, teens are more likely to view their own time on social media as positive rather than negative, saying it makes them feel more connected with friends and offers them a support network. But more than a third of all teenagers say they're on at least one social media platform almost constantly. So again, you can see there's just, there's this uh, gap between what's the real truth and what people think is true. The teenagers say, no, uh, I'm happier when I'm on it. I'm more connected to people. But the reality is they're depressed and they're actually more isolated. I mean, have you ever gone to a restaurant and looked at a group of people, I assume they're a family, and they're all on their phones and nobody talks to each other the whole time? You you see it all the time. Maybe maybe you've done it. They're there, but they're not there. They're not connected. They're not with each other. They're losing what it means to be human. 
and it's a lot of lying in there. They think it's good. They think they like it, but it destroys them. You know, I've read reports over the years, I'm sure you have too, about how the way they build some of these devices and apps and things, it's very much built on the psychology of slot machines because they're addictive. They know, they know it works. You pull the lever and it's colorful and things happen and there's a chance you might win, right? So if you ask somebody that was addicted to gambling, is, do you like this? They'd say, well, I, I do. In most cases, they'd say, this is fun for me. What's the reality? It's destroying them, right? We know that. It's the same with this, where people think that this is good for them. And again, technology has its place. It has its, its uses. It is a tool that we need to use. We all have to use it, usually. I do. But to be on it like this, four, five, six hours a day, using it as a toy, scrolling around on the phones, what are the, what are the facts? What are the results? What does the CDC say? It's destroying people. It's destroying an entire generation. And, you know, they're, they're, it takes a, a, quite a brave person to make some changes and say, I'm not going to... I'm not going to let that run my life anymore. I'm not going to let that just completely take over my life. We have a very specific warning in the Bible about the times we're in. This is uh, what Christ said in Luke 17. In verse 26, he says, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. So right before Christ is about to return, it would be like it was in the days of Noah. Well, you can read... Genesis 6 and verse 5, where it talks about what that was like. God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Think about this. As, as we read this, think about social media, our time today. God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Many people, unfortunately, that are hooked into these devices and the, and the social media most of their thoughts is on evil continually. Now, they probably wouldn't say that, but that's what's happening. Their thoughts are more and more on evil continually. They're addicted to it. They're addicted to being on social media. They're addicted to all these things. And then here comes the CDC saying, oh, boy, people are depressed. Some cases are actually harming themselves. Most of what's on the Internet, if we're just going to be honest, is evil. Now, not everything, and there are things that we need and tools that we use and all of that, of course. But do we use it for a tool or do we just let it take over our lives, let it control us? There's more and more evil continually, and it's just like what Christ said here. It's going to be just like the days of Noah. People are going to be just thinking about evil continually. Verse 28 there, he said in Luke 17, he says, Likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot... They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. You know, they were getting on with life. They were doing things. Society was moving on. Verse 29, but the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. That's true. There's archaeological evidence even of that. That happened. And then he gives us this warning in verse 32. He says, remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. Think about what happened in that situation. And that's recorded in Genesis 19. What happened to Lot's wife? And how does it apply to us? How does it apply to what we're talking about today? Well, Lot and his family and his wife, they were very caught up in the society around them. They loved it to a point. Lot obviously had <laughs> wanted to, to get away from a lot of it. But 
Even he was affected by it, but his wife really liked it. She was saturated by it. The evil was on her mind. And it caused a lot of problems. And Christ warns us about that. He says, remember the lesson from Lot's wife. But there's a few lessons we can probably pull from this. And again, there's a lot we could think about, but just, just think about this in relation to internet, social media, all of it. Starting in verse 16, this is before it gets to Lot's wife, but they were trying to get Lot and his family out. And uh, it says, And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and so forth, and they brought him out. But even Lot was lingering around a little bit. They knew society was coming down. They saw the warning signs, I guess, or they were told specifically. You and I see the warning signs, don't we? That this system can't sustain itself. It can't continue. You can't have a generation of liars and cheaters and people that don't know how to be human um, thinking about evil continually. You can't have it continue. It can't go that way. It can't last. We see the signs around us. We see the CDC report. We see all the plagues beginning to unfold. And um, But even, even with what they saw there, Lot lingered. He lingered around. I think there's a lesson in that for us that we shouldn't linger around the evil on the Internet or anywhere, obviously. But it's easy just to waste time, spend a lot of time just lingering about, linger here, linger there. Do we want to linger around this society that's falling apart and, and all the evil and all the terrible things? What, what are the young people in particular, if we look at those reports, what are the young people doing on social media for four hours a day? They're lingering. They're just lingering around evil, and the results are depression, eating disorders, drugs, addiction to pornography, in some severe cases, suicide. That's what's happening, lingering around. And like several people said, at least one in one of the reports, and then I read it as well, uh, people get into going down these rabbit holes. They linger one thing leads to another, to another, to another. And, you know, the Internet's, whatever the website is, they're always there telling you or the app saying, hey, you want to check this out? You want to look at this? You like this? Do you like this? Maybe you'd like this. And it goes from one thing to another to another. The rabbit holes, we don't need to be lingering around that. We can't be, or we're going to have the plagues. Then down to Lot's wife in verse 24, it says, Then the eternal reigned upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the eternal out of heaven. He overthrew those cities. Verse 26, but his wife... Lot's wife, the one we're to remember, she looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. She looked back at it. She loved it. She looked back on that society. She fo focused her gaze on it and she was destroyed because of it. We have to ask ourselves some questions. What do we look at on the internet? What do we look at? What do we use it for? What are our habits? It's, you know, it's something we have to think about. We have to be honest with ourselves. Or what are our young people looking at? Do we even know? Do we have any idea? What are they looking at? She looked back. She looked back. And we have to think about that very seriously. Christ is leading his people out of this world. We read that, Revelation 18, verse 4, imploring people, his people, come out. Come out of that. And... So that world, that way of living, it should be getting further behind us. Yes, we have to use technology, of course. And it's, there's a lot of good in it. But there's a lot of evil. And we have to be very careful, very careful 
with how we use it. Do we linger? What do we linger around? What do we look at? What do we look at? Just remember John 8, 44. We talked about it earlier. Christ pointing out Satan is a liar and he's a murderer. That's what he is. Anything you look at where you see lying and you see those types of problems and ultimately usually there's murder, Satan's the father of that. As the latest trumpet points out and, and it gets very specifically into, do we recognize Satan? Do we recognize his influence in this world? Do we recognize the problems and that he's behind that? You think about these young people on the social media platforms. They're being lied to all the time. <laughs> People's lives on there are usually false and fake and falsified. They're being lied to. And then ultimately, in some cases, it ends up where they, there is murder. Maybe they kill themselves. It's terrible. Hate to even talk about it. But those are the statistics coming out of the CDC. That's what's happening because of what? Who's behind it? Yes, I know there's tech companies and people, but ultimately, who's behind it? Is there a spirit realm? You have to find out. You need to know that. It's, uh, again, the trumpet talks about that very specifically in this month's issue. Satan's behind that. He's a liar and a murderer from the beginning. Genesis 3 and verse 1 talks about how Satan was more subtle, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. Yes, he's subtle. He doesn't come up to these children on TikTok and the first thing they see is a video about how they're going to end up depressed and maybe killing themselves. No, it's get them in there with some fun. Get them in there with something that seems pretty harmless, not that big of a deal, and then four hours later, <laughs> day after day after day after day, what it, what's the result? We saw it. We saw it in those reports. We saw it and we read it in that CDC write-up or that article that was quoting it. You can see the results of the abuse of technology. Technology is a wonderful thing and we do have to use it, but the big takeaway is to use it properly, to use it like a tool. Use it for what we need to use it for and not use it like a toy. Don't linger on it. Don't stay looking at it like Lot's wife did. I mean, we are warned very specifically to come out of some of those things. It's, it's, a, it's a frightening world in which we're living in today. A much better world is coming, though. We have a book on that, The Wonderful World Tomorrow. It's free at thetrumpet.com. You can get it at 1-866-930-3024. 1-866-930-3024. God's got a better world coming. That's the hope. That's what we're excited about. Make sure you get the trumpet as well. TD at the trumpet.com. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.